he was a professor in the first place. You know, it's, I think it's fairly instinctive in a way. You know when somebody likes you. You know when somebody's interested in you, or when it's, uh, when it's simply uh, just an event. For Hatfield, it was never an event. He loved students, always. And he loved being a teacher, always. How do you have the courage of your convictions when the President of the United States pulls you down and says, no, I want you to sit down on the front row and hear this briefing, and still be the only governor to vote against it because that's your conviction? How do you do that? I think it's a lot of courage. He was able to put himself in the place of those young men at that time, only men going to war. Uh, he understood what that was like. He was, he, he wasn't just gung ho. Oh, you know, America first and all that sort of stuff. It was, it, it's, it's real with him. It's never a bumper sticker. You couldn't put Mark Hatfield on a bumper sticker. Born in Dallas, Oregon, to a blacksmith and a teacher, Mark Odom Hatfield would go on to become one of Oregon's most important elected officials. For 46 years, he represented the state from the legislature on up to the U.S. Senate. I'm Kevin Curry. July 12, 2022 would have been the senator's 100th birthday. So this season, we revisit the moment of Mark Hatfield's 30-year career in the United States Senate. Our guides are the voices and memories of those who worked closely with him and observed his leadership. We will hear about the times he stood for what he believed without fear of the consequences. His ability to work across the aisle for what was best for both Oregon and America. And his career-long defining work against nuclear weapons and war. The second season of Revisit the Moment is the perfect opportunity to dive back into the 55 interviews conducted for the 2014 documentary film, The Gentleman of the Senate, Oregon's Mark Hatfield. Along with my fellow executive producers, Devin Lyon and Rick Dancer, the Gentleman of the Senate talked to members of Senator Hatfield's staff, his colleagues in the U.S. Senate, and leaders from Oregon's tribes and state government. Constrained to about 90 minutes a traditional length for a documentary film and one Oregon Public Broadcasting was willing to put on the air, we left much of the conversation with these people on the proverbial cutting room floor. The podcast format, on the other hand, gives us the time to hear more from them directly. Over the decades since the interviews, many of these people have died. So I'm thankful we recorded their memories and thoughts about Senator Hatfield and are able to share them with you. In this first episode... We hear how Mark Hatfield risked his political career to stand up against President Johnson and the war in Vietnam. Mark Hatfield joined the U.S. Navy after graduating from Willamette University in 1943. He served as a landing craft officer, shuttling troops into some of the worst battles in the Pacific, like Okinawa and Iwo Jima. He was also among the first sailors to witness the devastation of Hiroshima after the United States dropped the atomic bomb. After the war... He earned a master's degree at Stanford University and began teaching political science at his alma mater. While teaching at Willamette University, Hatfield was elected to the Oregon House of Representatives in 1950. He would become the youngest Secretary of State in Oregon history in 1956, just 34 years old. Hatfield's time in that office would be short. In 1958, he jumped into a crowded GOP primary for governor against the wishes of party bosses. 
He won the primary, defeated the sitting Democratic governor in the general, and became the youngest Oregon governor in history at that time. Eight years later, after being term-limited out of the governorship, Hatfield would be elected to one of Oregon's U.S. Senate seats. This season of Revisit the Moment is sponsored by the Oregon Historical Society. The Oregon Historical Society is dedicated to making Oregon's long, rich history visible and accessible to all. For more than a century, it has served as the state's collective memory, gathering and preserving a vast collection of artifacts, photographs, films, manuscripts, books, and oral histories. The Oregon Historical Society shares its vast collection through thought-provoking museum exhibits and robust digital platforms. It brings history directly to Oregon students in ways that bridge gaps of time and perspective and supports lifelong learning through many public lectures and events. For over two decades, the Oregon Historical Society's Marco Hatfield Lecture Series has earned a reputation for hosting America's most prominent historians, biographers, and public officials. The series began at the suggestion of Senator Hatfield and continues as a tribute to his legacy of public service and as an opportunity to share stories of the people and events that have shaped American history. Learn more about the Oregon Historical Society online at ohs.org. The race for Oregon's open U.S. Senate seat in 1966 was unique by any definition. A pro-Vietnam War Democratic candidate versus a Republican who was a staunch war opponent. Marty Gold served on Mark Hatfield's senatorial staff in the early years. He was drawn to Senator Hatfield in part by that strong opposition to the war. Nothing mattered more to students who were themselves exposed to the military draft uh, as I was at the point. So if you had a senator who actually had shown some courage even as the governor of Oregon, and then certainly early on in his tenure as the Senate, in the Senate, speaking out uh, against the war and speaking out against the draft, which was yet another issue that mattered a lot, uh, that also brought students naturally. Gold believes Hatfield's background as a college professor extended into his work as a senator. He was a professor in the first place. You know, it's, I think it's fairly instinctive in a way. You know when somebody likes you. You know when somebody's interested in you, or when it's, uh, when it's simply uh, just an event. For Hatfield, it was never an event. He loved students, always. And he loved being a teacher, always. He gravitated to university environments. So therefore, immediately, students understood that uh, he identified with them and uh, remembered being a student himself. He wasn't that old at the time. He was in his middle 40s anyway, when I first got to know him. So he wasn't that far removed from the days when he was a professor, and he certainly wasn't that far removed from his academic interests. And uh, I think, in general, students found uh, that he was a very compatible and, and, and simpatico personality for them. For Mark Hatfield, the war wasn't a partisan issue to begin with. He had always opposed it. In fact, as governor of Oregon, he was unique among his fellow governors across the country on this issue. He took great hits. It almost killed his political career. Uh, when he was the governor of Oregon in his last year of a very successful eight-year governorship, he went to the National Governors Association meeting and voted on a resolution to support uh, the Johnson administration on the Vietnam War. In that uh, vote, uh, 49 people voted aye and one voted no. He voted no. 
And that was not a popular position at the time. Vic Gilliam served on Senator Hatfield's staff from the mid-70s to early 80s. He would go into public service himself, serving in the Oregon House of Representatives from 2007 to 2017, when he resigned due to health complications from ALS. He died in June of 2020. Gilliam admired the senator's willingness to stand for what he believed. Courage always comes to mind, and I just, I don't know how you go through the Vietnam era and you're a Western governor and you have the president of the United States at that time, Lyndon Johnson, brief the governors, you've heard this story. How do you have the courage of your convictions when the president of the United States pulls you down and says, no, I want you to sit down on the front row and hear this briefing and still be the only governor to vote against it because that's your conviction. How do you do that? I think it's a lot of courage. That position would dog Hatfield on the campaign trail in 1966 as he ran against the pro-war Democratic candidate. In Oregon, uh, you think of Oregon today as being uh, relatively to the left side of the spectrum, but that wasn't so much true in 1966. Uh, Oregon had not turned against the war. Uh, The Democratic uh, congressman, Bob Duncan, who he was running against, was a pro-administration, or what they called a hawk Democrat, a pro-administration person, uh, who was to the right of Hatfield on the war issue, and coming out against the war seemed unpatriotic, uh, 49 to 1, unpatriotic. In 1966, a young 34-year-old Bob Packwood was serving in the Oregon House of Representatives. Only two years later, he would move on to the U.S. Senate, and serve as Hatfield's colleague, representing Oregon together for over 25 years. He was elected in 66. I was elected in 68. And I remember it was an unusual election for him. Senator Morris was the incumbent Democratic senator, and he supported Mark Hatfield against the Democratic challenger, a congressman named Bob Duncan. And the issue was the Vietnam War. Mark was much more... uh, anti-war than the Democrat Duncan was, and and Morris was totally against the war, so he supported Mark. Mark Hatfield would need all the support he could muster. He beat Congressman Duncan by fewer than 25,000 votes. And so therefore, this popular governor running in what was otherwise a strong Republican election of 1966 got uh, 51% of the vote. So he could have killed his political career on that issue from the beginning, uh, but he made no effort to hedge it. Once in the U.S. Senate, Hatfield continued to be an outspoken critic of the Vietnam War. He was often invited to speak on college campuses, and younger Americans were drawn to him. Many would end up working for him in Washington, D.C. and in Oregon. Vic Gilliam was one of them. Mark Hatfield came to our campus, and by that I mean my alma mater is Warner Pacific in Portland, and I had just had my name pulled out of a hat. Uh, My number was number five. I was the last lottery class uh, in the draft. And I was sure to go to Vietnam. And your thoughts about the war change and become very personal when you realize you may be the next one going. I was very confused about my uh, position, about the thoughts that I was having about patriotism versus a war that I was unsure of. And Mark Hatfield came to our campus, gave a speech that I alluded to earlier, which basically said, if you came here for your leader to, to take this to the streets, to burn your draft card, overturn cars, uh, you've got the wrong guy. But if you want me to articulate why I think this is the wrong policy, I'll do that. But I do it from inside because if I'm not in the Senate, 
my voice is quelled and I, I'm ineffective. Boy, the light went off for me, and or on, maybe some would say it went off in college, but it went on for me. And uh, I realized then that um, I would go if I was called and I would uh, get involved politically and, and dissent and be part of the part of the solution. So that was my attraction. I started bugging him for a job, followed him around whenever I could. He would see me in the crowd in Portland and roll his eyes like, you again? And eventually, it got him to hire me. Oregon businessman Jerry Frank had known Mark Hatfield for years and been a supporter of his political career. He would eventually become Senator Hatfield's chief of staff and inherit a group of employees largely drawn to the senator due to his position on Vietnam. Jerry Frank died in March of 2022. He had a bunch of very admiring people on his staff during his first term. It was a part of the time of the uh, Vietnam War, and he had a lot of, of exposure because he was one of the few who was against our involvement in Vietnam. And the young people then flocked to him. They wanted him to speak at their campuses. They wanted to work for him. They wanted to learn more about him. One such student was a young man from Arkansas named Bill Clinton. Just before I started as a student at Yale Law School in the summer of 1970, I spent several weeks in Washington working for Project Purse Strings, a citizen lobby for what was called the McGovern-Hatfield Amendment, a bipartisan effort calling for the withdrawal of American troops from Vietnam and an end of the war. The amendment didn't pass, but I've never forgotten the experience I had working that summer. And I've never forgotten the impression that Senator Hatfield made on me. He showed there was serious bipartisan opposition to the war, but he also showed that one person could make a difference and that party should never stand in the way of principle or an attempt to advance the public interest. Senator Hatfield's opposition to war extended beyond Vietnam, as we will see in a future episode. And he continued to inspire others by his willingness to stand for peace. It drew people from across the political spectrum, including Elizabeth Furse. Her work at the Oregon Peace Institute connected her with the senator. She was later elected to Congress from Oregon's first district, Congresswoman Furse, a member of the Democratic Party, would serve three terms in the U.S. House and work across the aisle with Senator Hatfield whenever possible. She died in April of 2021. Because, of course, he did it before it became unpopular, when people were still thinking, oh, yes, you know, another war, that's fine. And, uh, but he didn't. He, he knew exactly what was going on. And, uh, uh, you know, I think he... He was able to put himself in the place of those young men at that time, only men, going to war. Uh, he understood what that was like. He, was, he, he wasn't just gung-ho, oh, you know, America first and all that sort of stuff. It was, it, it's, it's real with him. It's never a bumper sticker. You couldn't put Mark Hatfield on a bumper sticker. Coming up on the next episode of the second season of Revisit the Moment, Senator Hatfield demonstrates late in his career his willingness to stand alone and take political hits from his own party. He was getting browbeat by Bob Dole. He was getting browbeat by all the Republicans and especially the absolute zealous Republicans that wanted this. He, he, they didn't need me. He was just getting hit 
hard. I could, you could see it at our at our caucus luncheons. You could see it, and there'd be some a conference, Republican conference, being some other issue, and two or three senators would surround Mark and really hit him on this. He he, he withstood an immense pressure on this. Revisit the moment is produced by me, Kevin Curry. Audio production and design is by Matt Tibbs. Our production assistant is Gavin Pottle. We record at Linfield University in the studios of the Linfield Podcast Network. Special thanks to our sponsor, the Oregon Historical Society. Check out the important work they do preserving Oregon's history at ohs.org. This season is dedicated to the memory of Vic Gilliam, whose support for the gentlemen of the Senate made recording these interviews possible. Remember to subscribe to Revisit the Moment so you don't miss out on any episodes. Be sure to check out our first season, where we examined Oregon's historic 1996 U.S. Senate race, the first all-vote-by-mail federal election in United States history. And if you enjoyed our work, give us a rating and a review.